Hey, welcome to GFCN Online, where we're taking a little bit of the online world and reserving it as a place for you to connect to God and connect to your neighbor. In this series, we'll be interviewing pastors and ministers for the Church of the Nazarene, which is our denomination, in the state of Georgia. So we want to share their call experience with you uh, and uh, share what God's doing across our state and in the lives of people who are called into ministry. In this episode, we'll be interviewing Dr. Fred Huff, who's a champion in the state of Georgia for the Church of the Nazarene, uh, excellent uh, pastor and minister and mentor, and I think you'll just love his humility throughout this interview. Uh, he has traveled around the world serving in the Church of the Nazarene at various levels, from churches to schools uh, to the mission field and uh, uh, at district leadership as a district superintendent. So a great uh, minister. Excellent, just an opportunity and a blessing to hear uh, his voice and his story. So he gets to share it with us and I'll let you uh, check it out. All right, Dr. Fred Huff, thanks for joining. I want to start out our conversation by asking, what would you say are the major bookmarks of your faith journey? Well, uh, as a child, uh, the training at home, uh, the nightly devotions and prayer, uh, the Sunday school, the, the first scripture I ever remember memorizing was uh, as a child in uh, Columbus, Georgia. We had moved from Waycross uh, to Columbus, and the Sunday school teacher taught us a verse, uh, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And we would quote that every week. <clears throat> that was a, uh, you know, a beginning point for me as well. Mm. Um, my dad was a pastor, so I Mm. I heard sermons every week. Um, it wasn't until I was 15 that I made my real, you know, personal commitment to Christ and of salvation. Knelt by my bed. There were some things in my life. Well, they were sinful and, mm. and I asked forgiveness. And that was the beginning of, I think, my my faith journey. All the other had been from provenient grace to that point, mm. and then beyond. Okay, sanctification. Tell us, tell okay. us, uh, tell us more. I, I know what those are, but tell us some more what provenient grace and sanctification means to you in those moments. Sure, provenient grace to me was uh, looking back. I guess all of the occasions, the people, the opportunities that. God was using to prepare me for what he wanted mm. in response from me to his yeah. graciousness. And uh, there are so many of those scriptures, sermons, songs, uh, events, people, you know, that I just a, a myriad of uh, people come to mind that had a part, I think, in that provenient grace of God. Sanctification for me happened when I was uh, 
a student at Treveca. I was a mm. freshman, and um, it was a there was a very small Nazarene church in Nashville, and a group of freshmen we <clears throat> got involved, began to work there and help. And I'll never forget we did a lot of evangelism in that area, and then bringing friends from school and. Mm. And we had just a phenomenal Easter event, and uh, several hundred people filled that that little downtown church facility. Mm-hmm. It was during a revival there that uh, I I felt that it was the typical. I made the commitment of my life, my future, my fears, my frustrations, my past, my everything. And God did a cleansing within my heart. To me, it was so important, both the crisis and the continuum, uh, that it's a, a both a crisis and a process. I, I love that, that the two work together. That was that moment in time that I, felt that the offering had been purified and cleansed and sanctified on the altar. But then the process has been now, well, I'm, I'll be 70 in a month. And um, it's, you know, it's still a process. Mm. So I love that crisis and process part. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, so the, your journey didn't end there. Tell us about, what happened after sanctification were uh, in the steps? I, um, I started out to be a medical doctor. My, that was my plan, my thoughts. Um, I slowly, my, my call, and I know you'll, you'll get to that, but mm-hmm. my call to ministry started uh, as almost like a magnetic drawing uh, of my heart <laughs> a little at a time. I was almost hesitant to publicly declare God has called me to ministry because I had seen many people make, and young people especially, I guess, camps and retreats and things that I'd been to, make big declarations mm. of what God had done and was going to do and what you know, and what they were going to do. And, and then I'd seen a lot also fall by the wayside. And Mm. so it made me purposefully, uh, uh, on purpose, I guess, um, not making a big declaration. And it, my call then came as a process over a period of time, a stronger pull of the Lord, uh, full-time Christian service, which now, as I look back, it, it makes sense. It's, it's been everything from uh, youth pastor to music minister to uh, pastor to missionary mm. to vice president Treveca to district superintendent of two districts and regional director of Africa. Uh, it's just been a, a phenomenal process as I look back. I'm I'm humbled 
by what God can do. I Something I read this week has really stuck with me. It said, um, God can use a small vessel, but God will not use a dirty vessel. Mm. And that that is pretty impactful about the importance of holiness in our heart and life. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Um, so along that way, uh, there, there, it sounds like you developed your calling over time, but tell us more about that calling. Um, was it ever to, yeah, just tell us more about the calling. It seems like maybe it wasn't to a specific thing. Um, it, it youth wasn't, ministry with music and yeah, it wasn't initially, it was a call to, uh, full-time Christian service, just wherever God could use me. And, uh, I did a couple of summer things, uh, one in Jacksonville, Florida, youth pastor, and, and I led a choir and then Birmingham first Nazarene church in Alabama uh, after my sophomore year. And then I traveled with an evangelistic team, uh, called lost and found across America, my third summer. And then, uh, my first full-time assignment was as youth pastor in Wichita, Kansas. So mm. I felt my call was to full-time Christian work wherever God needed me. And I made application in a way in my mind, I think to sports, um, football had been my favorite high school sport, although I did throw the shot put and track and, mm. and some things like that. But, um, <clears throat> I was a little bit of a uh, utilitarian <laughs> person uh, in that wherever they need me, I, I played center when they needed a center. I played yeah. linebacker, middle guard, you know, where they could, the coach could move me around to where I was needed. So I think I brought that mindset when my call was not, you know, to preach or to, it was, it became to preach, but my call was full-time Christian service wherever. Mm. My my most definitive call was to missionary service. Um, I was youth pastor at Nashville first. Uh, after Wichita, we went to Nashville, mm. and uh, I'll never forget. I I was I was doing a master's. I did an MA in world mission. I, I sensed God leading that direction, but a part of that process, uh, I sensed the call of God to missionary service. I, I fell not just on my knees, but I mean prostrate uh, before the Lord on my office floor. I've been back to that office at Nashville first, and mm -hmm. it's brought back to memory, you know, to oh, my sure. memory. Yeah. And I almost sensed like a hand of God on my head. <laughs> I began to weep uncontrollably. Uh, it was it was probably the most powerful, as far as a specific call uh, within the call to ministry overall that I'd ever had. I knew that God wanted me somehow to be involved in uh, missionary service both in the States and overseas. And then subsequently we were overseas 20 years. 
uh, in our, you know, our missionary service. And then, uh, God brought us back to the States, uh, for, to New Mexico as DS for 12 years. And then, you know, back here to Georgia, in some ways, my assignment now is, uh, as fulfilling and exciting as any ministry I've been a part of, because it's specifically having to do with planting of new churches. Mm -hmm. And that that's become a real, uh, focal point for me it sounds like along your journey you had several places where you could say you were thriving uh in your call tell us more about what that looks like for you um it sounds like you're thriving now but just along the way when do you know that you're thriving and when you're in god's will and direction for your calling i think uh it's that personal fire in the heart in the spirit i I, during this uh, time, I've been, uh, I've been unpacking some boxes where I had books and I had diaries and I've kept diaries since I was about 16. And it's, it's, uh, kind of amazing to look back and read, uh, the journey and read my personal thoughts. And Mm -hmm. there were times that I, I remember one time I read the, the whole new Testament in one month. I thought that was really great. You know, like a a book a day or something, but then I got to the end of the time and I thought, you know, I was so focused on (laughs) feeding on it. I I can't really tell you even one verse that impacted me during that time. So I look at other times though, when uh, the word one verse, one chapter, one passage a lot of times I'll go to sleep and I'll quote certain passages, uh, you know, mm. as I'm lying in the bed or even as I wake up, but especially as I'm, I'm lying in bed. And uh, I, I think looking back at some of my diaries of those close, intimate times, I think that was a part of the thriving that when I've had close, intimate fellowship and mm. intimacy with the Father mm. and the Son and the Spirit. Um, I think the other parts of my ministry have come along and thrived, even in even in tough times. There have been tough times, of course, but you can thrive even in tough times. And uh, I never wanted to just survive. Mm. I did go through one period one time. Uh, it was seven years of uh, what some call the dark night of the soul. Uh, it was a difficult time. I didn't feel or I felt very little. Uh, I didn't feel or sense the presence of God as I had in Mm. other thriving times, but it was a testing time in a way. And, and I said, Lord, whether I ever feel anything again or not, I'm yours. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to be obedient to your word, you know, and, and that's the end of the story. (laughs) Mm. So, uh, through the, all of those times, the mountains and the valleys, there's been a certain, um, element of thriving. I think. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like what I hear you saying, you find it, you found it and find it meaningful to feel God's presence that you, you can feel it, you know, God is with you and you can enjoy that union. Yeah. 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 And th- there's a peacefulness that comes with that. Um, I asked God to give me a prayer from uh, Psalm 37. I'd spent a lot of time with Dr. Earl Lee 
who wrote the little book, The Cycle of Victorious Living from Psalm 37. And so God gave me a 30-word prayer. I will not fret. I will not stew. I will commit and trust in you. I do delight to do your will. In you, I'll rest and be perfectly still. Mm. And for me, the thriving is not so much excitement and, you know, overcome with emotions, but it's a a sense of rightness, a sense of peace, uh, a sense of being in his will, being in the flow mm. of his will. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. So you mentioned you has you, you just touched on it that there were some challenges along the way. Can you tell us sure. more about what some of those challenges were and how you might have dealt with them? Yeah. Uh yeah, some some several times, you know, not not every ministry, but sometimes there've been some financial challenges of you know, God calling you to get a job done and a task and uh, it would seem like the resources weren't there. I remember when God gave me the vision of um, a, a huge vision of doubling our membership in Africa in five years. Um, I began to pray about that, and there were some financial needs that need to happen for us to accomplish what we felt like God wanted us to. And uh, people came to the to the party, so to speak. Steve Manley gave me five months of his itinerary shut down in the States and moved to Africa for five months. Uh, Earl Lee, Dr. Lee, uh, gave me 10 weeks. I had mm. one guy, uh, uh, a Christian businessman, and he gave me several thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to help. He told me, he said, I'm not going to put money into bricks and mortar. I'm not going to build any buildings, but he said, I'll put it into the things that you're talking about. And I, in this five-year plan, it was first year was first personal development, uh, spiritual uh, prayer groups and all that. Second year was evangelism. And we had this, the greatest year of evangelism as far as uh, new converts that we'd had in the history of Africa. I think it was 75 years at that time. Uh, third year was discipleship, discipling the new converts. Fourth year was leadership development. And that's where mm. this guy especially got involved. And the fifth year was church planning. But he uh, he gave me, well, gave us for this project $50,000. And uh, we, we had citywide crusades in 10 uh, areas across Africa, major areas. Uh, we had, uh, there were 10 Bible colleges at the time. And so, uh, Steve Manley helped me. He taught evangelism and then he would do citywide crusades. And, uh, we just had phenom a phenomenal year. And it started when the, the, there was a challenge to make this happen. We needed financial resources that we didn't have. Mm. And, uh, it was, it was wonderful how God brought resources to bear. Um, other challenges, um, you know, th there have been at times interpersonal challenges through the years. You know, I would have one set of expectations and 
maybe some co-laborers would have others. Yeah. Uh, I remember one time in Africa, uh, there were two brothers that they, they just had some great challenges. So what I did, I sent them out on a 30 day tent meeting, living together in the tent, preaching together. Mm. And I knew that by the end of 30 days, they'd either kill each other or they'd come to reconciliation. And they did. They made a great team. But uh, okay, did did they kill each other? Or did they come to reconciliation? Reconciliation. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, those you know some of the challenges are a uh, different set of expectations. I asked one of the general superintendents that was traveling with me once. So, what's the toughest thing you face? He said, "Well, he said." If I see a situation and I really believe that God is leading this way and this is the direction we ought to go, and then I have others that don't see it or, you know, they're having a hard time coming to grips with that. He said, that's difficult for me as I I, I feel as though God has given me a, a direction and a plan and others are not yet finding it. He said, I find it tough. And I probably would say there have been some of those uh, confrontational situations. That, yeah, mm. they're, they're challenging. Mm. Mm. I wonder if you could uh, say more about expectations and calling. You, you mentioned it just then, that you had expectations and somebody else had some other expectations. What kind of expectations did you have in your calling that, maybe never came about. Okay. Okay. Um, well, as a whole, I could say that my dreams and expectations were much smaller than, than what, you know, God was going to do, was able to do. Um, mm. I was, I was raised in Georgia. Uh, as I look back on my diaries, I think my dreams and expecta- expectations were, or much smaller. Uh, I probably thought I'd spend my whole life in ministry in Georgia. Mm. Actually, when I went to college, it was years before I came back as DS of Georgia in 96. But um, I, um, I felt like that one of the key scriptures for me has been now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or even think according to the power that's at work in us. And I think we have our, our human dreams and visions and expectations. And then when God imbues his resurrection power Mm. within us, everything just, you know, uh, multiplies and, uh, the, the dreams and the expectations are much bigger than we could even, imagine and that i have found that so in my life now Uh there have been some times and some of these i I don't think i will give the specifics but there's been a few times when (coughs) pardon me i uh i thought maybe god was leading in this way and i would get all excited humanly Mm. um uh, I, well, I remember one time um, when we were in missionary service, 
uh, a regional director talked to me about opening up a new field in another part of the world. And it sounded exciting. And I bought books and I started reading and dreaming and thinking. And, uh, yeah. and it was not God's will. Um, and, uh, uh, well, I could name almost as many situations where I thought maybe this is God's will and it wasn't as mm. the definite ones. Uh, that's why it's so important, I think, with a call that uh, we seek his will. And I believe he will say, you know, as the word says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not into your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And mm -hmm. I have found that to be so. And there are times he's used my wife to help me look at it from a different perspective. There have been times he's used friends of mine who've helped me see it from a different perspective. And there have been times that he's just said no, uh, you know, and stopped it. Don't even pursue this, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, I appreciate those times. I don't see them as obstacles. I, I see them as uh, preventing me from going in a direction that would have been counterproductive to what God wanted. Mm. Along this way, uh, you mentioned you know, several people that invested in you. How was your calling supported, uh, either by experiences or by people? Okay, good. Uh, by people, my grandparents, my parents, uh, people in the churches that I'd been a part of, uh, close friends of mine that uh, there was uh, one friend, he was four years older than me. He was at Treveca when I was in high school, and uh, he had a, a really good positive Im impact on me. Um, Treveca itself was very impactful and directional. It's, uh, uh, it's, I had thought about some other, you know, possibilities. Um, but, um, I, I feel like Treveca opened the door for me in training and having good professors, uh, Dr. Winecoop, Dr. Dunning, uh, although Dr. Greathouse had already left, uh, I had, you know, some exposure to Dr. Greathouse. Um, Dr. Reed was a mentor. Uh, we spent a lot of one-on-one -on -one time together, especially when I was on his staff at Nashville first. And then later, uh, one of his vice presidents at Treveca. <clears throat> Treveca has had an inordinate amount of, of positive uh, influence on my call and, and sensing God's will and direction. Um, my, my master's program at Skerritt College, it's not even a, a university or college anymore. It's, a, it's still located uh, right over near Vanderbilt. But uh, I had a professor, in fact, I ran across a letter uh, from him uh, this past week, and I reread it. Uh, Dr. Leonard Walcott was his name, and uh, he had done mission work in India. Mm. Uh, but he uh, he was a godly man, a quiet, a humble man, man of prayer. And 
had a good influence on me. Yeah. Uh, Peter Wagner was a professor. This was way back when I was in New Zealand. I was taking uh, classes by cassette tape. I would listen to them and then had a proctor that would uh, do the exams with me and all. And uh, But, you know, 36 hours of or more of lecture from uh, Dr. Peter Wagner was that was influential, helpful. Although I, it wasn't face to face time in class. Um, yeah, a lot of different individuals and yeah. professors and different ones. Sure. Any any particular thing that they did or the people did that really um, you felt like invested in you or you like to highlight? Um, yeah, let me think. Uh, Professor Jerry Hull at Treveca, I especially, I, he was a, a sociologist, but I especially enjoyed his class. Uh, Dr. Kleckner was a major professor. I actually majored in uh, communications and minored in religion in my bachelor uh, program. Dr. Reed, Millard Reed, had a phenomenal effect on me, I felt. Also, Gene Williams, he was the first, uh, he was pastor of uh, Wichita First, and um, uh, I was youth pastor uh, there, and over a period of, he was pastor there 25 years, and uh, at one point, the headquarters, Nazarene headquarters had said there were more conversions uh under his ministry at that church than any other one church mm. nazarene church in america well wow. and uh you know just to work alongside people like that yeah admire, it sounds like yeah it sounds like Working with people that you looked up to and had them investing with you, whether they were teachers or pastors or district superintendents or whoever, but yep. those people investing in you yes. just meant, meant a lot to you. Exactly right. And uh, yeah. another one was Dr. Uh, Jim Bond, general superintendent. Uh, uh, we spent you know a lot of time together. When mm -hmm. I was regional director in Africa, the generals would come over for sometimes I'm almost a month at a time, twice a year. Yeah. And we would travel together, be together. And, uh, uh, our friendship has continued on. I, I look to him as a mentor and we, we still communicate oh, every great. few weeks. So yes, you're right. Specific individuals have really been impactful. Well, so you've been all over the world. Um, you've, mentored other people in ministry you've pastored churches you've pastored pastors um have just you and your wife both have really laid a legacy down uh, of, of ministry and a following god and i guess one question this is you know, one of the questions that i really just wanted to ask you what do you wish that you could have you could say to yourself when you were first starting ministry so who you are now what wow. do you wish you could say to yourself when you first started ministry? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, <clears throat> all right, I'm going to say a couple of things you may just need to edit out, but <laughs> we'll see. In, in the last 18 months, I've, I've lost 70 pounds. 
uh, on purpose. Looking back, I wish I'd have taken better care of myself physically early on, um, you know, health wise. Um, I, I, well, I had a football injury and I had surgery and, and now it's bone on bone. I'm, I'm needing to get a knee replacement, but so that in a way, I guess it was avoidable if I hadn't played, you know, high school ball, that kind of thing. But at the time I thought it was important, but other than that, I mean, there are some life choices uh, of exercise and eating and health and mm. things like that, that I, I wish I'd have given attention to. I'm trying to give attention to those, some of those things. Now I've set up a little gym in my basement, even here. Mm. And uh, yeah. uh, so, you know, that that's, I know it's not spiritual as such, but you know, Paul had some it's part of the call about it. Yeah. yeah, it's part of it. Um, I, uh, I might've given more attention to my education. I, I, my formal education, uh, I got the MA in missions. I did some other work at Fuller seminary, but I didn't get another degree. I did, uh, I did some work at Wichita state and friends university. And, uh, but, um, uh, you know, my my doctorate is an honorary doctorate from Treveca on Treveca's 100th anniversary. Mm. And uh, I honor that and I appreciate that. Uh, I may have given uh, a bit more attention early on to my education. There have been several uh, ministers, men of God, who talked about if they had to do over again, they'd give more time in formal preparation, you know, mm. for the rest of their years of service. I, I don't feel uh, I neglected it and I don't feel shortchanged by any means. I feel like God's given me, you know, more opportunities than I ever deserved. Uh, you mentioned we, we've seen quite a bit of the world. Earlier, we were talking about expectations. I thought my expectations that I would minister in Georgia my whole life Little did I realize I would uh, by now have visited all uh, 50 states and 77 countries of the world, not having preached in all of those, but many of those. And, uh, Mm. you know, it's just mind blowing as I sit and look back and I read some of my journal entries of decades ago and I almost laugh, you know, that. My world was so small. My thinking was so small. But God, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that's within us that I mentioned earlier, Ephesians, I think, 320, I believe it is. um, You know, that God is able and God God will do things with us that will just take our breath away if we allow him to. Oh. oh, that's good. Thank you. Um, well, what does the future look like for you? What hopes do you have for the future for your faith journey and your ministry? Well, um, <clears throat> like I said, I'm, I'm a month away from 70, God willing. And I, uh, congratulations. Thank you. I heard E. Stanley Jones preach one time at Trevecca, uh, when I was a student, and uh, 
at about age 70, he had asked God to give him 10 more years of ministry. Well, it turns out he got, I think it was 18 or 19 more. I think he lived to be 89, I believe. But he made a statement in that chapel that just, oh, captured my attention. He said the last 10 years had been the most exciting, productive, fulfilling years of his life in in preaching, in writing, in ministry. You know, and here's a guy that had been such a bulwark of the faith as a missionary and as a writer and uh, preacher. And uh, wow, that that really did something for me. So in in recent, maybe this last year, I've asked God if it be possible. I said, I know I could, you know, I, I could die today. And if I did, I, I've told my wife, oh, I love her more than ever. Uh, we've been blessed. Our, in fact, in the other room, our youngest grandson is here and his mom, uh, our daughter, helping today with some things. And they're playing a game right now at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, been, been fulfilling and all. But I'm asking God if he might give me 10 more years. Mm. And I would love to look back as E. Stanley Jones did. I don't mean to compare myself with him at all, but to look back and say, wow, weren't these last, wasn't this last decade some of the most fulfilling, challenging, exciting, wonderful years? And I think what I'm getting to do now, uh, uh, Pastor Kyle Poole has invited me i had another year and a half or so uh on my call and and vote as a ds in new mexico but when he invited me to come back and be a part of his team uh it has been so right and so good and to be able to focus uh a majority of my attention on the planning of new churches we've planted seven in the last 12 month period i've Mm. got 14 on track at various stages, what I call back burner, mid burner, front burner. Mm -hmm. I've got 14 either places or people that, you know, are feeling like God is directing them that way. So it would, I would be excited if in the next few years, you know, if we had 14 more new starts added to the seven um, or whatever God has in store right now, that's what I'm looking ahead to though. Um, Spending more time with the Lord, more time in prayer, more time in studying, reading. As I look back through my diaries and the notes that I've taken through the years, I, uh, when I was in Africa, for instance, I, ha- I was able to spend some time uh, with Rick Warren. I was able to spend some time uh, with uh, John Maxwell. I was able to spend some time with uh, uh, oh, Bruce uh, Wilkerson, Wilkinson. Um, you know, some people who had had have had some great effect, but I took a lot of notes and I'm I'm wanting to go back and read through the highlight notes that I've taken through the years. Um, one time I had an opportunity to be in the office with Jack Hayford, and I know he's not of our particular um, persuasion or denomination, but had some really you know, impactful things to say. And uh, I, I want to go back and highlight 
those that I have learned under. And then I want to try to be uh, somewhat of a mentor. I had a guy call me a week ago. He's uh, a pastor, and he asked if I would be a mentor. He, he lives across the country <clears throat> to him. So we get together for an hour every now and then on the phone. Um, when I was DS in uh, New Mexico, there are four men that are now uh, DSs. Well, one was DS and is now in a Kansas City uh, ministry and three others that are DSs that were pastors on my district there. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm not saying that I mentored them to be a DS because I don't, I don't think you do that. But I do think God has led them in that their journey. And mm-hmm. I thought it was significant that four of them are serving in a superintendent's capacity. Yeah, I had uh, three that were on my staff in uh, Africa that were what was called field strategy coordinators that either have been or were uh, became regional directors late over, you know, three regions of the world. I think that's significant. And um, uh, I think it's good that we personally and purposefully uh, both are mentored by others, but also find others that we can, uh, pour ourselves into and mentor them as well. Yeah. And I, I know you enough to know you would say that's true of someone called to ministry or called to whatever else. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really think so. Uh, especially called ministry because I, yeah. I, you know, as someone in business should do that too, you know, invest themselves, <clears throat> but especially in ministry, I think we have a, yeah. we have a mandate. Uh, that's above and beyond. Well, well, thank you so much. Um, It's been a treasure and you're a rock star, uh, at least here in Georgia. Um, I've, I've heard your name so often while I've been in Georgia and um, I knew your story only a little bit, but really a rock star and have a legacy. And yet you carry such humility. And let me say, thank you for that. It's such a joy to be able to hear that. Well, thanks so much for joining us on this journey, hearing the stories of those who are called into ministry and uh, sharing in uh, the ways that God has blessed them and spoken to them. I'm Josh. It's a blessing to be your host for this podcast series. I'm one of the pastors here at GFCN, and here at GFCN, we are passionate about reserving this place online as a way for you to connect to God and connect to your neighbor. If you'd like to partner with us, you can find ways to do that, either through volunteering or through giving, uh, through the link in our description, which takes you to our website. If you'd like to interact with us, you can send us a voice message uh, through the link uh, in the description as well. Uh, We'd love to interact with you, and if you'd like to be a part of this podcast, if you have a story of calling and you're a pastor in the state of Georgia, uh, reach out to us. We'd love to hear your story and share it with others. Uh, For now, uh, be blessed and peace be the journey.